thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Camden Yards in Baltimore. It's the Indians 10, the Orioles 4. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And what a fun afternoon baseball game if you are a Cleveland Indians fan. And uh, the Indians offense finally unloads. We finally have a game that just felt comfortable all the way through, right? It just felt like the Indians day all the way through that game. And uh, that's a good feeling because there has not been many of those games. Uh, We have played a lot of close games. Even the games we win somehow still come down to save situations in the ninth inning. So to have one like that where we just kind of ran away with it, what a fun feeling. Right here in Cleveland. All right, let's get into the storylines. Let's talk about this game and the big storyline. The huge storyline happened before the game actually started. Jake Bowers is out and Bobby Bradley is in. And uh, I think all of Cleveland is excited about this. I don't think you'll find many... Jake Bowers fans here in Cleveland, many Jake Bowers supporters. I'm sure there's a few. I'm sure there's a few that think he's still got a chance to, you know, be something decent in Major League Baseball. And you never, you never wish for any, you know, ill for any of these guys, right? When they leave here, if they go on to have good careers, good for them. Excellent. You know, you want guys to succeed. Uh, But I would much rather much rather watch Bobby Bradley go through the challenges and the struggles of becoming a major league hitter than Jake Bowers, right? We've we've seen a big sample size of what Jake Bowers is. He has almost a thousand plate appearances in major league baseball. Now he's at 924 plate appearances and Everything, you know, has slowly been declining. Uh, His OPS has been declining. His slugging percentage has been dropping off, you know. So uh, there's not much excitement there of what Jake Bowers can turn into. Whereas Bobby Bradley, now some people on Twitter have been like, oh, you're you're just swapping, you know, 190 hitters, right? You're swapping hitters batting below 200. Yes, but... If you look at the numbers, there's a few columns over there. There's a thing called OPS, which is on-base percentage plus slugging percentage. And the difference here is that while Bobby Bradley was only hitting 196 in AAA, yes, he was, so they were both 190 hitters. Jake Bowers was hitting 190 in Major League Baseball. Uh, Bobby Bradley had a 751 OPS, which is a really respectable, decent OPS. Jake Bowers had a 557 OPS, which is not good. It's not good. It's not, uh, yeah, it's going to get you cut. That's what it's going to get you. Uh, So Bobby Bradley at least is doing something with the hits he has, the limited hits he has. He had nine home runs in AAA this season, 19 RBIs. Uh, Jake Bowers in the majors had two home runs and six RBIs. So, There's your difference. At least when Bobby Bradley does make contact, it's going a long way. He's going to strike out. We all know he's going to strike out. He had 35 strikeouts so far in 109 plate appearances. In 113 plate appearances, Jake Bowers had 27. So it's not like you were saving on strikeouts or anything like that. So yeah, so he's going to strike out. It's fine. 
came up in his first at-bat pinch hitting late in the game, had a double, hit a grounder that rolled all the way to the wall. That's a hard-hit grounder. What was the exit velocity on that grounder? And then comes around to score uh, score that 10th run. So that's pretty cool. It was 108. <laughs> it was 108 mile per hour exit velocity. It had a launch angle of six degrees, uh, so barely off the ground. And uh, it went 119 feet, I guess, in theory. I don't know when they stopped counting the feet because this ball rolled all the way to the right field wall um, and beat the shift, which they're going to do against Bobby Bradley. He is definitely considered a pull hitter right now. So, uh, yeah, that's a hard hit ground ball. So that's how he starts his major league career. So right now for his major league, well, not for his major league career, he did have a few plate appearances in 2019. But for the 2021 season, he's batting 1,000, he's slugging 2,000, and his OPS is 3,000. So it may be one at bat, but still fun to see up there on the scoreboard. All right, uh, so that's the big news, right? Bobby Bradley is here, and he's going to be here hopefully for a long time. Hopefully this is uh, this is the start of a long career. He's still considered a rookie. He still has his rookie status this season. He didn't have enough plate appearances in 2019 to kind of cut him out of the rookie category. And uh, Jake Bowers was still pre-arbitration eligible. We'll see if anybody makes a waiver claim on him, right? Someone actually has to go out and want Jake Bowers on their team. Otherwise, he will pass down to AAA. And I was texting with my brother yesterday, and we're like, "Is there's probably a pretty good chance he passes down to AAA. Like maybe someone like the Pirates will scoop him up. The Pirates seem to scoop everybody up, right? They have Eric Gonzalez. They have Kai Tom. Uh, they've got a bunch of ex-Indians, it feels like, on that team. So maybe somebody, maybe the Orioles, maybe somebody will scoop up Jake Bowers and give him another chance. But maybe someone will scoop him up and stash him at their AAA site. But Bobby Bradley is a much more intriguing, uh, interesting uh, prospect, and he's our prospect. We drafted him in the third round of the 2014 draft. A year old, he's a year younger than Jake Bowers, who was drafted in the seventh round of the 2013 draft by the San Diego Padres, and has already bounced around to multiple, multiple teams now. So we're all excited. We're all pumped. Bobby Bradley, not only that, just seems to have a great personality. Uh, him and Yu Chang kind of came up together. I know they're buddies. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe that energy in the clubhouse will change things. Maybe Bobby Bradley can bring a little bit of energy uh, in the dugout, in the clubhouse, on the offensive side of things. And uh, maybe other of the young guys, maybe Owen Miller and Yu Chang, who've gotten to hang with Bobby Bradley and play with Bobby Bradley and travel on the bus trips, you know, AAA bus trips with Bobby Bradley, will feed off that energy a little bit. You never know. You never know what changing the mix in a clubhouse and a locker room is going to do for a team, and what it's going to do on the field. Sometimes a guy gets to the majors, and all of a sudden, it just clicks. Look at your mean Mercedes, right, out in Chicago. It just clicked this year. So we will see. That's our big storyline. The other big storyline, we're sticking on the offensive side of the ball because the offense just unloaded yesterday for 10 runs on 13 hits, and everybody was doing it. Cesar Hernandez had another leadoff home run. Off of, off of one of the best pitchers in the American League right now, John Means. 
Great name, by the way. Anytime I hear that last name, it reminds me of San Diego Chargers running back Natron Means, which may be one of the greatest sports names of all time. So John Means has been dominating the American League so far. He was probably looking at being an all-star starter for the American League, and he leaves after two-thirds of an inning with shoulder fatigue, which is really... That's really bad to see. You don't want to see that from a guy who's pitching at an elite level, a guy who's already thrown a no-hitter so far this season. We were all excited yesterday because of the pitching matchup between Aaron Savali and John Means, and then he goes down with his shoulder fatigue. He's not the only pitcher to throw a no-hitter who's gone down this season with shoulder fatigue. Uh, It happened to Corey Kluber. Now, they're calling Corey Kluber's injury um, a strained shoulder. Shoulder fatigue, a strained shoulder. They, they uh, the Yankees seem to think that it has a little bit, a combination of just how long Corey Kluber has been a starter in Major League Baseball combined with the fact that he threw that no-hitter. Maybe they think that's a compounding effect there. And so they're working on a plan to see if basically he can pitch through the pain uh, because they need Corey Kluber back out there pitching. And now John Means, and we'll see what this means, right? We have no idea how long it takes to recover from shoulder fatigue. So we'll see what happens if he gets out there. But before he left the field, Cesar Hernandez did hit a home run off of him. And then three batters later with two outs, Harold Ramirez hit a solo home run off him. And once again, the Indians jump out to a 2-0 lead in the first inning. Those pitches from Means, uh, it it wasn't probably not locating where he wanted to. Everything was kind of up from him yesterday. Let's go to the results tab. Let's see where those two home runs were. And uh, two home runs, one was up. The one to Cesar Hernandez was a fastball that was up. I mean, right at the letters, a good pitch to hit out for a home run. Harold Ramirez's was actually a changeup away, but still probably way more up. Then he wanted on a 2-2 count. I'm guessing on a 2-2 count, he wanted the bottom to fall out of this changeup. Instead, he leaves it at the belt away, and Harold Ramirez has some strength. And he has the strength to go to right center field with this pitch and hit it out for a home run. Would not be the only opposite field home run we would see from the Indians yesterday. So, then things kick off in the fifth inning. Things really get going in the fifth inning. Adam Plutko has to come in in long relief. I saw some ridiculous takes on Twitter yesterday. People talking about, uh, oh boy, we really could have used Adam Plutko still. Uh, could you imagine, you know, the Indians, I bet they never thought this would happen when they traded away Adam Plutko. No. No, I'm sorry. I don't want Adam Plutko. I didn't want him as a starter. It wasn't working as a starter. He was doing okay out of the bullpen. But as a starter, I'm sorry, we have so many more intriguing options. Quantrill, Mejia, McKenzie still. Henches is definitely going to get another start sometime here after these off days. These four guys are way more intriguing as starters than Adam Plutko would ever be to me. And Baltimore is a perfect situation for him because they just need pitching right now. They need some kind of competent pitching. And it looked like Plucko was going to be okay until this fifth inning. And uh, he gets Cesar Hernandez to pop out to start it. Ahmed Rosario reaches on a fielding error. But once again, it's his speed because the second baseman, Wilkerson, did not boot this ball very far. 
Uh, he just doesn't field it cleanly, and Ahmed Rosario beats it out with his speed. Once again, his speed proves to be just next level. Then the Indians go back-to-back-to-back with singles. Uh, Jose Ramirez hits a ridiculous, ridiculous bloop single down the left field line to beat the shift. Uh, Really got jammed and is able to just pop it over Freddie Galvis's head. I think it was Galvis going back on it. Um, And pop it into left field for a hit. And then Harold Ramirez hits a nice single that drives in Ahmed Rosario. Eddie Rosario then comes up, hits a nice single through the right side, beats the shift, and drives in Jose Ramirez. And that speed from Ahmed Rosario is really key here because there wasn't even a throw home, right? Again, his speed is game-changing. That's really, really intriguing for the Indians. And that's why I like him hitting there at the top of the lineup, being up before these big RBI hitters or what are supposed to be the big RBI hitters. The runs haven't necessarily been flowing in for the Indians. Owen Miller does strike out. Man, Owen Miller is chasing. He is really chasing a lot of pitches, and it's something he has got to get under control. Someone needs to tell Owen Miller that he can lay off pitches here. He can be patient at the major league level. Uh, But then Yu Chang, with two outs, saves the doesn't save the inning he explodes the inning he puts the exclamation point on the inning with a huge three-run home run to the seats in right center field 108.9 mile power exit velocity 22 degree launch angle 439 feet a 1,000 expected batting average that is a home run in any major league baseball park and uh yeah Yu Cheng going to right center uh, we saw in, in his spring training power that he has tons of power to his pull side to left, but right center field is definitely a place he can go for power. He's doubled there a couple of times, and he finally puts one out. We've been waiting all season for a Yu Chang home run, and we finally got the display of power yesterday in the perfect situation to take an already good rally. Like, we would have been perfectly happy. At that point, it would have been 4-1. That would have been, you know, a great score. Two runs in the first, two runs in the third, we would have been very happy. Instead, it becomes a five-run inning, and the Indians are up 7-1 to one at that point. Oh, man. So then the offense just keeps rolling. Uh, Cesar Hernandez has two hits on the day. Harold Ramirez has three hits on the day, including the home run. Eddie Rosario has three hits on the day, including a double Uh, Nothing for Owen Miller. Owen Miller and Bradley Zimmer had bad days. They combined to go 0 for 8 with 7 strikeouts. That's pretty rough. Pretty rough for the rookies. Yu Chang has his big 3-run home run. And then Bobby Bradley pitch hitting for him gets the double. So from the 7th spot, we get 2 hits. And even Austin Hedges had a double on the day. Austin Hedges, who took a pretty bad shot to the head, and you were wondering if he could even stay in the game, eventually comes back and hits a double in the gap. So... Or I believe, no, down the left field line. Yeah, that double went down the left field line. So he's able to come around and score a run eventually. So, yeah, a pretty good offensive day um, for the Cleveland Indians. Not only did all those guys have hits, they all scored runs. All seven of those batters, all right, outside of Owen Miller and Bobby Bradley, or Bradley Zimmer, sorry, outside of Owen Miller and Bradley Zimmer, all of those guys who had hits also scored runs on that day. That is a fun offense. Uh, so yeah, so the entire offense was really, really clicking, and that's what these games against Baltimore should be. Their pitching is not very good, 
And when you knock out the one guy in their team that is a legit all-star pitcher, uh, yeah, you can have some fun on offense and you can unload on offense. Remember yesterday when they were 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position? Well, today they were 5 for 12. 5 for 12 is a really good thing to see in a box score with runners in scoring position. So yeah, turning it around on offense. Uh, the final storyline of the game probably is Aaron Savali. And uh, it wasn't the dominant performance we expected to see from Savali. In fact, interesting, this is this is almost bizarre. Every time the Indians score, the Orioles answer back in the bottom of the inning. And Cedric Mullins is a huge reason why the Orioles were able to do it. Mullins, the leadoff hitter and center fielder for the Orioles, went five for five with three runs scored. Two solo home runs, two RBIs. The dude had five hard-hit balls. All five of his hits were hard-hit balls. He's batting 314 on the season with an 890 OPS. That is pretty darn elite stuff from their leadoff spot. And he is a young dude. I believe he's pre-arbitration eligible, which means he's going to probably be the person that they build this Orioles team around as they continue to try to get this Orioles team back to being a contender. Between him and John Means, that's two pieces there that you need to build around. And so with Means out, I'm guessing Mullins was probably going to be the representative for them on the All-Star team. I mean, at this point, uh, they've got a few other good hitters. Obviously, Trey Mancini is still hitting the ball well. But uh, yeah, Mullins is playing at an elite level and really made Aaron Savali pay. Um Two home runs off him. Savali gives up three solo home runs on the day. Also gives up one to Mountcastle, who also is a very young player for them. Uh, I believe he's in his second season as a left fielder, first baseman, DH type. Uh, Kind of of what we thought Jake Bowers would be. So Mountcastle gets another home run. And uh, so, yeah, every time the Indians score, uh, the Orioles would answer. And... uh, Until the eighth inning. The eighth inning was the only time the Indians scored when the Orioles didn't answer in the bottom of the inning. But they have 11 hits on that day. It's only good for four runs, though. So Savali was battling. He was working. But he left a lot of things up, up in the zone. He ends up giving up nine hard-hit balls on the day, uh, most of them to Mountcastle, Mancini, and Mullins. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a battle out there for Zavali. It wasn't the dominant performance that we expect to see for him. He threw all six of his pitches yesterday, and to be honest, the cutter was doing okay. The the uh, splitter, the curve, the slider were doing okay. No, not the slider. Um, but yeah, he just wasn't getting any swings and misses on fifty five swings, only seven whiffs on 55 swings from Orioles hitters yesterday. That's a 13%. That's not good. Uh, He did get a ton of foul balls, though. So at least he was keeping them off balance there. Uh, 27 foul balls on 55 swings. So keeping a little off balance, but four-seam fastball, nine swings, no whiffs. Sinker, seven swings, no whiffs. Slider, six swings, no whiffs. That's not good. They can't be beating up on your fastball like that. Jumping over to the Illustrator, Everything was up from Savali. Everything, even his strikeouts, were up at the top of the zone. And he was able to put together, you know, a couple of strikeouts on the day. He did have four strikeouts on the day, and it got him out of some jams because he had runners on in a lot of innings. 
So even the strikeouts were up in the zone. He uh, finally gets one with a cutter down in the zone. But all the hits are located up, up above the belt. So yeah, so uh, he was leaving some pitches up, and they were they were making him pay. And uh, you can see everything below the belt is an out. Everything above the belt, yeah, there's a couple of outs mixed in there, but all the hits are located there. So Savali has got to get some of those pitches down. Looking over at fan graphs, looking at the game log over there, things that uh, things that jump out over here is obviously the home run rate, right? You give up three home runs. Your his home run to fly ball ratio was forty two point nine percent, almost what almost two fifths of all the balls, all the fly balls hit went for home runs yesterday. Uh, the other thing that stands out is they were pulling the ball a ton, sixty one point nine percent pull rate. That is his highest pull rate of the entire season. So they were jumping on it. They were being aggressive. And we'll see that once we get to the plate discipline numbers. The hard hit rate was also way up there for Savali. Last start against Toronto, it was 52% medium contact. This time it was 52% hard contact. Uh, He has also given up hard contact over 50% uh, in his start against Detroit and Seattle. I think that Detroit start actually worked out okay for him. Yeah, that's the one where he got the win, went eight innings, gave up one run. The start in Seattle did not. He went six and two-thirds, gave up seven hits, five earned runs. So he's got to figure out a way to get a little bit more medium and weak contact out of these hitters. And then uh, the plate discipline numbers. So uh, they were pretty aggressive against him yesterday. Um, They're... uh, their contact rate was 87.3%. It's the second highest of the entire season after a start in Kansas City. Um, the first pitch strike was at 80%. It was his highest first pitch strike of this t- the entire season. But they were making contact, and they were really, really being aggressive against him. In fact, his last two starts against Baltimore, he's at 55%. They, they are. The hitters against him are at 55% swing rate on any pitch. And Toronto is 586 It had been in the 40s for like the last eight starts before that. Uh, you have to go back to the beginning of the season for the first two starts against Detroit where they were over 50%. So the last two times they have decided to be aggressive against Savali and see if that changes things. But he still gets the win. Puts another win in his pocket. He even said that this is more of a team win than a personal win. We talked about that sometimes. Sometimes a win can really show you something, can be something in the stat line. Other times, a win is just, it just has to go to somebody. And Savali pitched good enough yesterday to hang on to that win. He limited the damage. We can at least say that. But he is definitely going to have to find a way to do something about these home runs. So, MVP for the day. Looking back at the box score, I got to go with Harold Ramirez. Harold Ramirez had a really huge offensive day. Uh, The home run, two RBIs, three runs scored from Harold Ramirez on three hits, really hitting the ball hard. Eddie Rosario is a close runner-up. He also had a three-hit day. Having your four and five hitters go for three-hit days is really big because the guys in front of him, it may have been a different guy on base every time, right? One time it's Ahmed Rosario coming in to score. Another time it's Cesar Hernandez coming in to score. But uh, actually, no, Cesar Hernandez drove himself in. He had a solo home run. So, okay. 
Jose Ramirez coming in to score. Sometimes it's Austin Hedges at the bottom of the lineup coming in to score. But these guys hitting in the middle of the lineup, when you're four and five hitters are hitting three for five on the day, that is going to be a good offensive day for you. So Harold Ramirez, slight edge there with the solo home run. And I just, I really, really liked his approach yesterday. He just, he's he's leading the team right now in batting average. He's at 277 batting average. Aside from Bobby Bradley, who has one at bat, that's the best batting average on the team right now. His OPS is slightly under uh, Jose Ramirez because Jose Ramirez definitely has the the home run swing going. He's at an 873 OPS. Harold is at a 788 OPS. By the way, shout out to the Indian social media team who coined him Beryl Ramirez. Great, great nickname. All right, so that's all my thoughts. I got to get out of here and go play some old man softball. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Baltimore. It's the Indians 10, the Baltimore Orioles 4. We'll be running it back uh, tomorrow. We got Quantrill going in the finale against Jose Lopez. Lopez has got a one, he's one and six on the season with a 529 uh, ERA. So Lopez is not Jorge Lopez. Sorry, Jorge Lopez is not a dominant starter for them. So hopefully the Indians will be able to unload on him. He is a righty, which I'm guessing means Bobby Bradley will be in the lineup starting at first base. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.